The subject of the evening talk is a path without a goal. If we take into consideration the teachings of the of the Buddha, and I'm not particularly referring here to the historical person of uh, Gautama Siddhartha, um, we see, looking in a general way, that there has been, in the course of history, a certain evolution which has taken place. And the evolution of the process towards and of awakening has been such there has been a constant revelation of fresh insights fresh understanding, suitable for a time and a culture. And this we have, have observed through the literature and the wide variety of literature in some of the prevalent uh, Eastern societies. And much of this literature has, of course, been attributed to the Buddha. That is, that mind which has woken up to reality and the insights have been recorded either by the individual or by the Sangha, the collective of men and women who have aspired towards spiritual understanding and wisdom. We see that there has been an ongoing process in such a way that in some of the Buddhist societies, the original an original source of the insight, Gautama Siddhartha, is sometimes very frequently in, sorry, infrequently referred to, and the format of approach has been in the spiritual discipline of the Dharma, meeting that where the need is. In other words, that the process of insight hasn't stood still, and there has been and still is the necessity for it to meet the times and needs of people. And what we see in our present generation in our present Western society, a certain transmission which is taking place, hopefully to meet the needs of ourselves, the spiritual, psychological and physical needs, and for each of those needs to be actively and in a very real way addressed. And therefore, a dharma, a teaching, which is truly appropriate for our time. And that has been the flow of of emphasis both within the literature and within the practices. And some may say in looking at a general, in a general way that some of the practices of the various major traditions are extraordinarily diverse in their presentation and in their style, yet some common links are there. And one of the common links and major disciplines of all the traditions is as a core factor meditation. In other words, however one approaches the, the teachings of the Buddha, it's as though one has to keep crisscrossing over the fact that meditation has a very central place in the inner transformation of the human being. And so there may be the variety of methods and techniques within that but in, as it were, facing that and to some degree facing ourselves, we might ask ourselves of what import 
what significance does meditation have for myself? In this process, in the course of time which has taken place, one of the questions which arises, and, and, and it perhaps only arises for a, a few people, what is the place of the path and goal, as we conceive of, within the field of meditation? And this certainly has been subjected to a great deal of inquiry and examination about the particular suitability particular suitability of such concepts in the spiritual life. And I would say with these concepts of path and, and goal, they take on a particular significance when there is a certain development inside of ourselves of spirituality. Oh, just wonder what the clicking is. Oh, it's all right then. Okay, well, sure. So, in, in development of the practice, these two concepts become registered. We become registered in our hearts and minds. And in that, we begin to look, hopefully, at what place does this have for me? Now, when one approaches a meditative practice, comes to a retreat once a year, twice a year, or one may just view the practice from a primarily an issue of relaxation, calmness, dissipation of tension, being more comfortable with oneself. And all of that, I would say, valuable as it is, is only a prerequisite for entering into the path of the spiritual life. It's, in other words, it's a kind of preparation. And the actual entering into the path of the of the spiritual life means that a particular characteristic of it is that spirituality is very important. Very, very important in one's life. So important that much else, if not all else, somehow or other has to keep coming crisscrossing with spirituality. And when that begins to occur in our life, I would say then the path of spirituality, the path as understood, has truly begun and it's something increasingly more significant and applicable in our life than just a psychological, physical way of getting ourselves together. I don't wish to in any way undermine the importance of that in a world which is tortured and fragmented. But, as I, as I mentioned, this coming from, or rather, the bringing of ourselves together, the harmonizing of ourselves together, brings out a spiritual factor. And the question obviously arises, what does this word spiritual mean in this context, in this... Yeah. Because that, as I say, that established in oneself is the beginning of the way, of the path. And I would say that the spiritual factor 
or element in our consciousness, in our, in our human being, has with it a lifelong endeavor, one might say, a deep heart's wish in one's life to live, and this is a, almost a reoccurring thought and relationship to life, to live deeply, to live with sensitivity, to live with feeling and love, to bring into one's life in a deep way a, a true caring relationship and attitude towards it. And that, that, that the establishing of that, not just for that which we love, for those that we love, for that which we're co close to, but a sense of right into life itself. That it's other words, in other words, impersonal in the best possible meaning of that word. And sometimes we have a sense of that, this love of, of life and its extraordinariness which we can feel in the trees, in our hearts, in the minds of others, in the nature. And, and, and that establishing of that through observation and understanding makes the path established. That may not mean for a person that there's a kind of sudden turnover in one's consciousness in which one goes from just wanting to work things out, wanting to make one's life easier and more comfortable to a spiritual path. Not, it may not be sudden, but for some it is sudden. And for others there's a kind of gradual movement into something. And it begins to be noticeably expressed in one's life. Now within that movement of consciousness, that, that initial transformation into the, or ch inner change into the, into the spiritual life, and the kind of energy which, which accompanies it, there may not be, or there may be, an authoritative source for it. It may come out of the inspiration of practices. It may come out of the inspiration of a certain historical figure. It may come from a religious form or book. And so one may have, it as, may have as one's background there something which has definitely influenced that change. But some it's not. There's no obvious identification or association with a particular religion. Yet the change, the transforming factor is there and, and the path is, with all the difficulties, is established. And it's not that one wants the, the spirituality to meet one's life, but one, one's consciousness and one's heart's wish is to bring out that field of the spiritual. Awareness, love, sensitivity, a, a full and expansive caring relationship with life. And we see, we may say that sometimes it can almost be religion without spirituality. And spirituality is sometimes with religion 
and sometimes without. In that establishing of the path, in its deeper inner registration with, our, with ourselves and with, the, with the, the flow, as I mentioned, the outflow of energy, which, an inflow which can accompany it. There can be, and certainly within this long-standing tradition here of men and women who have employed as a central feature uh, the tool of meditation and observation, there can be, with that corresponding path, a sense of a goal a sense in some way or other, an apprehension that through the path there is a consummation, a certain kind of fulfillment in which one reaches the unequivocal end of all that the path entails. And that from that end, or in that end, or in that goal, there is no more going on to. And thus path has any meaning and, or any registration, also falls away. And one sees, within the religious texts of the, ma of the major uh, traditions and certainly within the Buddhist tradition, a certain kind of emphasis which makes almost as a promise a certain kind of assurance to us that if one follows this particular path, you know, in the simplified language, the eightfold path with meditation and awareness and, and the cultivation of that, that in it there will be a certain kind of fulfillment taking place which makes all of that work worthwhile. And yet the very same tradition, the very same spiritual tradition in another body of literature with another kind of emphasis will say no path, no goal born out of the same revelations of the deep inner inquiry, the, the same source of intuitive insights will negate the very concepts which have been applied. And human beings in the spiritual practice find themselves faced with the peculiarities of this, the, the paradox of finding out what the truth is. In the application and the development of the path and in the establishing of it, and as we have had with um, a couple of the groups, comes up the question with some, free, with some frequency too of what's the place of the effort within that path, within the cultivation of it. And one sees time and time again that one is invited to and one encourages oneself within the path to apply a certain effort to what one is doing. And the effort itself, the energy which is arises, which arises is directed 
to the activity. In directing the attention to that act activity, it helps one to cut through certain kinds of mind states. It helps one to have a sense, an important sense, of going from somewhere to somewhere else. That there is an actual movement which is taking place. And the movement, through the skillful use of effort, enables one to feel a very important, important feeling in life that one is getting somewhere. That one is going somewhere. That the, that the path is actually being cultivated and developed. And so that a person, and you may be seeing here in the days here, the short days we have been here, or in your life in general, one may look back as a reference point on one's own past, one may see the spiritual being developed and one may have a, a genuine sense and recognition. Over the years of my practice, you know, like someone said in one of the discussion groups, oh, I've been practicing, how long have you been practicing? And the person said, oh, seven or eight or nine years. And I, the thought which arose in my mind, oh, such a short time. That in the years of developing the time and, and the practice, one looks back over the past and sees how that practice has been, been developed and one can recognize, this is important, one can recognize some of the changes which one has gone through. And one can see in all the ups and downs and the difficulties that there's a certain, for those of you, and quite a few of you have uh, disappeared, kind of period of time of spirituality one can see a certain kind of thread of continuity which has been established that the path itself still means something to one and sometimes as some of you have, have said one has been developing the path then something in one's life not necessarily conscious has actually a occurred in one's life and one has felt a, a movement away from and one's life has got involved in this, that and the other and that, that link up between the past and the present the spiritual link up has got neglected, it's got actually forgotten and then one starts to pick it up again and reconnect again and re-establish it again and all of this is looking at the path in a creative, constructive and a way of one of a definite kind of evolution inside of ourselves. And then one must ask, of course, one must ask oneself and hope to God we never stop asking oneself is using that framework of language what does the path mean to me? Sometimes, out of good motivation, out of a, out of a wholesome wish to grow and to become as a human being, One wishes to apply more effort, work harder, strive, strive on. 
and a great deal of encouragement can be, can be given. And sometimes one sees that within that encouragement, external and, and internal, based on the sense of progress and development, that a certain intensity arises within the field of one's spiritual life. And very distinctively noticeable within the meditation itself. And intensity within the meditation of pushing oneself, of, of putting, pulling out all of the energy, of really uh, applying the effort, that, that intensity within the meditation produces inside of oneself a certain kind of sensation. There's a certain quality to, to intensity. And then that intensity which can, ar can arise with the determination which comes with it, one begins to identify with the intensity. And associate, this people now have done plenty of practice now, and to associate that intensity with getting somewhere. And so when the intensity isn't there in one's practice, in one's meditation, one gets the feeling inside of oneself one's practice is slipping. Because the mind got used and grasped onto intensity. It happens here, it's happened here very recently. It's very familiar in the Zen tradition. And so there's this application and there's the, there's the direction and the valuable directing to create that direction of, of effort. But it is something which is, I feel is necessary to be applied within particular situations and and the exploration of one's mind enables one to see more clearly, when do I need to apply effort? When is that appropriate? When do I need to work with the application of effort, the energy that goes with it, and the discipline which accompanies that effort? And how can I bring these three, the effort, the discipline, and the energy, quite together? inwardly. You know, the Dharma, the Buddha Dharma, there's no teaching on the face of this earth which for so long has relentlessly, and in an unbroken chain of men and women, has so relentlessly emphasized the significance of the mind. For thousands of years, this emphasis on the mind has been the characteristic feature of the Dharma. That the mind itself is the central, a, let us say, a major or central element on this earth that its sphere of influence, inwardly and outwardly, is extraordinary. 
So men and women who have developed and cultivated spiritual, their spiritual life, particularly in this tradition of the, the Buddha Dharma, had seen the place of the mind on earth, the mind in this universe. And what that means today, not only for the mind itself, but also and obviously for what it means in its impact on the earth and now into the skies and heavens. So in this working with and, 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 and uh, giving the maximum care and attention to the mind and its place, one sees at times the mind pushes itself with the effort, with the striving, with the struggling against or the struggling with, it pushes itself. And we have, as a culture, somewhat of a history of pushing ourselves. We see it through our encouragement of our parents, through our education, the pushing of ourselves, the pushing of the mind. And we apply the same kind of principle, the one which we know in spirituality. But, and the but is with using and adapting the mind to that kind of path, our ego structure, the me sense, gets within that spiritual path. And, and there's the I want to get. So the spiritual path is there, the ego is there, and the ego, particularly when it's using striving and pressure and intensity, has got itself, as it were, enmeshed in the spiritual life to the degree that there's dissatisfaction with the present and there's the pursuit, and sometimes intense pursuit, of something beyond it. And for that, there is no peace. And part of the difficulty, I'm talking about here in striving and intensity and in the pushing of the mind this way, that part of the difficulty, even though the discomfort and suffering arises, part of the difficulty is in the pushing of the mind, a variety of experiences that can arise. If you sit here and you spend 15, 18, 20 hours in a medi this meditation hall and you sit here and just sit and sit and you try to be really focused and you really push your mind, you must have, as a consequence of that action on the mind, a variety of experiences, mind experiences. But the predominant overwhelming experience at the end of that pushing of the mind in that particular way is, I had all these experiences, but it was so hard. I had all these experiences, but I went through so much suffering. I had all these experiences, but I wouldn't want to do it again. <laughs> and that, that is the central message, the fruit 
the goal, if you will, which comes through the pushing of the mind in an imbalanced and uneven way. The central overwhelming recollection of it tends to be the difficulty and the pain. And in that, with the ego structure that goes with it, with it, the spiritual path tends to get obscured. In our looking and, and exploring the meditation practice and our being more inwardly aware and in our settling in in that spiritual light which I uh, referred to, the way of the practice and its evolution and the path itself can undergo another kind of order of movement. And it's not one in which you push. It's more one which takes its own flow, its own organic course. And for that one needs the resources of effort and application and care and attention and being in touch with. And one might say in the meditative journey, when one is beginning to settle in and be more steady, there is less necessity for will. That will with knowledge and interest and so forth, which can get us to so many places in this earth, in terms of being somebody, as far as the spiritual life, the will becomes virtually redundant. Its appropriateness in some areas become, spiritually speaking, increasingly more inappropriate, because it distorts. The danger of that, even though some of us would consider that a, a reality of our consciousness, the danger of it, of course, is that it brings inside of the mind uh, a tendency towards slackness, towards, oh, you can't do anything, towards taking it easy, towards, well, if it's going to happen, it's going to happen. And that kind of attitude, which means that really, Inwardly, one hasn't understood, because in developing and deepening the, deepening the practice, with less ego power or drive in it, there is still the energy that accompanies the practice. There is still a quality of energy. And I think we all see in our, in our practice, as well as in our day, daily life situation, just how significant the energy is. And the energy which is not born of the ego, of such a narrowness, is such that it begins to support the consciousness and the practice begins to develop and evolve by itself. When that is genuinely at work in one's life, not as a 
flippant philosophy or a romantic idealism, when that's genuinely at work in one's life in the deepening of one's practice, one of the characteristic signs of it is that one has the genuine sense in one's life that what happens in one's life, and particularly the unexpected, happens to one because it needs to happen. That that one needs to experience these things. And there's a kind of relationship to life in which as the spiritual journey develops and deepens itself, there's not the sense so much of being the victim of life, of having events overwhelm one or suffocate one or drown one, And though one's mind and heart and emotional life may go through much difficulty, when the the establishing of the spiritual path is there, there's a genuine intuitive sense. This needs to happen to me. This is something that I have to learn about. This is something which is my practice. And so that the, 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 the spiritual mind begins more and more as the practice genuinely develops to have the sense that the variety of life experiences all fall into the light of the spiritual life. All of them without any exception. And one of the things which is challenging for us is in the present movement of the Dharma and in its journey, which is a very, very recent journey and we might almost say that you and I are of the first generation of this, that it's come out of the confines that I mentioned previously of monastic life and into one in which the path itself and all that's implied of it has to, by virtue of the contemporary necessity and urgency, find its place in society. That the society with all its turbulence and alienation and fragmentation and all the effects which you and I experience, that somehow or other, whether we use the language that we use here is completely irrelevant, but rather that that has to be established in our world. And so in 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 the historical continuity which is taking place, it's just how it's happening. And so it's no coincidence that there's barely in the West any Buddhist monastic tradition. Pockets of it here, pockets of it there, but the great bulk of people who are committed to the long spirit, this long spiritual tradition are doing so within the context of their life. To find the path where you are. In that development of, of the path, 
and in the skillful use of effort when it is appropriate and the humility and the understanding of just being steady and still and mindful and aware and allowing things to deepen by and within themselves, within that particular process and activity, still the concept of goal can arise. And I wonder to what degree, given our world and given our the present reality, whether the use and the thought of goal is appropriate. Given the kind of psychological structure which we have with our goal orientation and wanting to get somewhere in life, whether or not in our own society we're reinforcing something which becomes a pressure against us in which we begin to measure ourselves, our sense of worth and validity as a human being is by how far have I got? How closer am I? When will I be enlightened? When will I get satori? When will there be moksha? Or when will I be full of love or compassion or whatever it might be? Whatever way we we conceptualize or believe in some goal, whether that in fact acts against us. Because of our tendency to compare so strong in our society, the tendency to judge, the, the tendency to compare past with present, ourselves with others. And so that maybe the old language which was used and reasonably effective for establishing a path becomes obsolete in our culture. Not skillful. And one of the other Rather, limitations, I say, of looking in a strict form of path and goal is if one uses that and, try, and tries to emphasize in one's life the coming upon some experience, and so often the goal is seen as somehow or other doing things to come across a particular experience. And, then in, and in any form of particular experience, Whatever that form of experience is, one's wish so often is to apply a particular label to it. Which somehow or other is in order to affirm that one has got something. And the message, and it's the message from, and particularly from the East, still keeps going out to us in that particular way. So that some experience may arise, it may be totally unfamiliar, and then one looks around one's dictionary of religious language to try to apply a particular thing to have something, to have gotten something. And one says, this is the end. This is, this is where I want to come to, or this is where I need to get back to. And I wonder whether in thinking that way 
in believing that way, in drawing a conclusion that way, what we actually do is give a sense of finite, a sense of finiteness to spiritual life. That by drawing any kind of conclusion from any experience is in somehow or other to reduce spirituality to a particular event and solidify, and solidify it in some way or other around an experience. And say this, even if it's only to oneself, this is it. And the mind sometimes in the path yearns for that. And one has had from the voices of authority, the voices of religious authority, and in this long-standing spiritual tradition, the voices of religious, religious of authority, still exerting a strong enough influence to say this, to this, to this, and then this. I wonder. I wonder if that's the heart of spirituality. I wonder whether looking in that way somehow or other places a limitation, puts a break on, forms a conclusion in which one becomes entrenched in that conclusion, either by having such an experience or by not having it. And to ask ourselves, what's our relationship to path? What's our relationship to spirituality? What's our relationship to goal? And in that questioning, a certain quality of outlook, and I would say fearlessness also, can begin to be established in ourselves, in which we're not subjected so strongly to the voices of influence and authority, whether of the past or whether the one in the present right now. That one brings in the light of a meditative awareness all that which you know and have heard and have memorized and have thought about and have wondered and speculated about. All of that really comes into your light of awareness. So that nothing and this is supposed to be a characteristic feature of this tradition, that nothing is taken for granted. Nothing is accepted because somebody else says so. Nothing. And so those things may agree one side with one message that you receive, from one spiritual authority on the one side and, you, and one may say one agrees with that and then you get another possibly this evening from the other side and one says one may agree with, agree with that. It's not a question of agreeing and affirming, you know. That is not belonging to this tradition. It's a tradition of men and women who look 
to see for themselves. How you see, how your experience is, how your understanding is, and within that seeing and understanding, in such a way that if if there's change taking place, there's evolution taking place, the seeing and the understanding may well change along with it. And so that the beautiful aspects of the practice and of the tradition of a genuine spiritual independence is there. A genuine inquiry into path and goal and whether such language is appropriate to you or not. A genuine receptivity in listening to others who speak of their life, their practice and their experience and to, and to learn to see from that if that meets oneself or not. And to look carefully again and again in a, in a sustained meditative way. And out of that, that requires that focus and attentiveness and that ongoing energy. The ongoing energy which is still manifesting itself over these thousands of years. May all beings be in touch with themselves. May all beings be in touch with the way of life. 